Hello, and welcome to Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Shafra. I'm the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation and host of this podcast. This week we will be taking a look at Parshat Vayeshev, which loosely translates as, And He Lived. The Parsha focuses on a young Yosef, 17 years old, and his journey from a troublesome boy to a beloved and trusted employee with some significant hiccups along the way. Yosef, abandoned by his brothers, betrayed by his brothers, finds himself in a strange land, winning the trust and love of many, and setting the ground for a future major political role. Vayeshev has 112 verses. It fills 190 lines in the Torah scroll and is, in, and is the ninth Parsha in the Torah. Here is... Parshat Vayeshev in seven parts. Part one, dream on. Yosef is a 17 year old and causes significant strife between himself and his brothers. He brings negative reports to his father about their less than favorable practices. And in general, Yosef is highly disliked by his siblings. Adding to this tension, Yosef starts sharing with his brothers and even with his father at times his dreams of grandiosity, in which Yosef is clearly elevated above his siblings and even at times above his parents. This endears him to no one. In the final verse, the hatred of the brothers is confirmed and Yaakov keeps the matter in mind he considers everything he has heard. Rashi, chapter 37, verse 11, understands the word shamar, to keep, to mean that Yaakov looked forward to the time that these dreams would come true. This perhaps changes our understanding of the word shamar from guarding to looking forward. So when you describe yourself as a shomer shabbat, it means someone who is looking forward to Shabbos. And so ends part one. Part two, a nowhere man. Yaakov sends Yosef to check on his brothers who had left to tend for their sheep in a little town we're familiar with called Shechem. When he arrives there, his brothers are nowhere to be found and Yaakov wanders aimlessly lost in a field. An anonymous person, identified by Rashi as the angel Gavriel, tells Yosef that his brothers have moved on to a town called Dothan. Yosef heads towards their new location, and when the brothers see him from a distance, they conspire to kill him. Reuven steps in and suggests that they place Yosef in a pit and consider their actions very carefully. Rashi and the Natsiv, among a handful of commentators, note that there is great significance in the language and the direction of Gavriel, who, when reading his language closely, tries to illustrate to Yosef that his brothers have no intention of acting brotherly towards him. In fact, the Da'at Sakinim suggests that they had no intention of remaining part of the family. So was, so deep was the break between brother 
and brother. And so ends part two. Part three, the one that got away. The brothers of Yosef strip him of his precious coat and throw him into a pit. They turn away from the pit and sit to have a meal, apparently listening to the advice of Reuven to con carefully consider their actions. They see a caravan of Yishmaelites riding past and Yehuda suggests that they make a profit from the situation that they find themselves in, that they sell Yosef into slavery. Reuven returns to the pit and finds that Yosef is gone and he is distraught, overcome with fear. They take Yosef's coat and they tear it up and they dip it into the blood of a goat. They return to their father, presenting him with the evidence. He cries for his seemingly deceased child. In the meantime, Yosef is sold to an Egyptian man named Potiphar. The Rashbam, chapter 37, verse 12, notes that there is a mention of both Yishmaelites and Midianites involved in the sale of Yosef. He suggests that while the brothers were feasting, the Midianites stole Yosef and they were the ones who sold him. Meaning, the brothers never sold Yosef, but rather a group of passing Midianites did. This would explain Reuven's surprise when he finds the pit empty. And so ends part three. Part four, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, what does it mean to Yehuda? We take a break from the Yosef saga to hear about Yehuda's journey away from his brothers. They grow apart. It's now possible after the uh, after the way they treated Yosef, it's possible that they were no longer the united group that they had been. And so Yehuda moves away and he gets married to a Canaanite woman. And he has three sons. The first two sons tragically die. The Torah tells us that God did not approve of their actions. And Yehuda refuses to permit his widowed daughter-in-law, Tamar, of marrying his third son lest the same fate happen to his last and final third child. Years pass and Yehuda's wife dies. Yehuda finds Tamar, though he doesn't recognize her, because she's dressed as a prostitute, and she becomes pregnant through him. When she was publicly accused of lewd behavior, Yehuda recognizes his actions and identifies that Tamar is indeed more righteous than he. Tamar deserves more respect than Yehuda does. Twins are born of this relationship by the name of Peretz and Zerah. Rashi chapter 38 verse 24 interestingly identifies Tamar as the daughter of shame, though this is difficult to understand because it would make her extremely old at the time of the story. And so ends part four. Part 5. Will the real Yosef please stand up? The story now turns to Yosef's integration into Egypt. The Yosef that we have known thus far, 
who is hated by his brothers, who lacks the political savvy to avoid persecution, avoid being rejected by those around him, integrates beautifully into the Egyptian home that he finds himself in. He was incredibly successful and brought tremendous success to his master, bringing him great wealth. Yosef is promoted to be the right-hand man of his master and was tasked with taking care of the running of the home. It's worth noting that the Medrash Bereshit Rabbah, chapter 84, points out many similarities between the life of Yaakov and Yosef, including the fact that they both brought great wealth to their masters, Yosef to Potiphar, Yaakov to Lavan. Other comparisons mentioned in the Midrash include both Yaakov and Yosef being threatened by their siblings. Both went down to Egypt, both died in Egypt, and both were considered like the firstborn child, though they technically were not. And so ends a very short part five. Part 6. As Tom Hanks once said, saying no to something can actually be more powerful than saying yes. After some considerable time running his master's household, Yosef is propositioned by his master's wife, basically on a daily basis. Yosef resists over and over again until one day when no one was home, his master's wife grabs Yosef by the coat and Yosef, in a panic, flees, leaving his coat behind. Embarrassed, she accuses him of attempting to attack her and brings his coat as proof to her husband. His master, with no choice, throws Yosef not in any jail, but in the king's prison, in the king's jail. And Yosef sees continued success settling in and is placed in charge of running the prison. The Orachayim, chapter 39, verse 20, 21, suggests that Yosef's good spirit and, the generos- and his generosity was infectious and so it changed the entire culture of any environment he found himself in. And so ends part six. Part 7. In the words of Walt Disney, first think, second dream, third believe, and finally dare. Some time passes and the jail receives two important prisoners, the butler and the baker of the king. And they are placed under the care of Yosef. After a night in which they both experienced difficult, disturbing dreams, Yosef was able to alleviate their discomfort by offering them insight and explanations into what they saw. The final verse says that the butler did not remember Yosef, and so Yosef stayed in jail for two more years. And Rashi chapter uh, chapter 40 verse 23 says that Yosef was forgettable to the butler because Yosef placed his trust in the butler and not in God. It's easy be, easy to be successful and forgettable 
if you are lacking faith. And so ends Parshat Vayeshev. Thank you for joining us, taking a few minutes to review the Parsha to prepare for the weekend on Parsha and a pod. My name is Yechiel Shafra. I'm the host of this podcast and the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish congregation. One final thought on the Parsha. As we shift focus away quite dramatically from Yaakov, we are confronted with Yosef's transformation from a dreamer to an interpreter of dreams. He changes from a source of aggravation to a beloved and trusted employee, a source of inspiration, a source of faith even at times. And even when he is faced with accusations, we see that Yosef is a man of principle and at great risk refuses to lower his standards, refuses to embrace the immorality of Egypt. Perhaps the experience of being betrayed by his brothers helps him understand more about what it means to win the trust and and be able to influence others. As we continue to learn about Yosef, a critically important personality and character, it's worth noting that he is the youngest personality we interact with. He is one of the only personalities that we follow throughout his entire life. Avraham, we started at the age of 75. Yitzchak, also a grown man, and Yaakov. Yosef is the one of the only personalities. We hear his entire story. We experience his growth from young man to influential and powerful leader. Wishing you a wonderful week and the Shabbat Shalom.